Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Flyers will be back in action coming up on Thursday when they took on the Arizona Coyotes at Wells Fargo Center. Interesting uh, schedule coming up for the Flyers over the next week or so. Arizona obviously coming in, uh, a team that's maybe having a better season than some people thought they would, but Arizona comes in Thursday, then Sunday. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs at Wells Fargo Center. 7 p.m. puck drop, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, and the Leafs, who have beaten the Flyers twice this season. Flyers did rally back to get within a goal of Toronto in that 4-3 loss uh, back on game one of that five-game road trip before the holiday on the 22nd. Uh, and then it'll be into Buffalo on Monday the 9th. That game was rescheduled. It was originally supposed to take place in April. Some changes to the schedule move that game up to the 9th. So it'll be uh, Thursday, Arizona, Sunday against Toronto, and then Monday. So a back-to-back has been added with Buffalo on Monday against the 9th. And then at home and home with the Washington Capitals. Wednesday at Wells Fargo Center and Saturday in D.C. And then the Flyers will get Boston on Monday, January 16th. So interesting schedule of kind of the haves uh, in this uh, season and a little bit of the have-nots in this season. What the Flyers can do up against these teams will be interesting uh, as they're coming off their second three-game winning streak of the season. First one happened games one, two, and three. The last one happened the last three. 4-3 win over San Jose in overtime. 4-2 win over the Los Angeles Kings. And the 4-1 win over the Anaheim Ducks. But in this episode, I wanted to get to some uh, some messages on social media, on Twitter, uh, that I've gotten via DM. You can always DM me, at Jason Mert. J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T on Twitter. You can always send me an email as well. Jason, J-A-S-O-N dot Mertitas, M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get to those on the pod as well. Uh, Got this real quick message from uh, a guy, Dry Island 1817 on Twitter. And he said, Urson looks good, man. Is heart expendable? (laughs) And as soon as I read it, I almost got a chuckle. Uh, Well, I actually probably did get a chuckle. And I said, yes, Sam Urson has looked very good, but he still has played a total of about 23 games in North America. Didn't play a lot last season. I think he played 18 before coming up this season with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms to the Flyers. Uh, But I just said to him, I said, he's played about a total of 23 games in North America. Uh, Thinking Hart is expendable with that minuscule sample size is way premature. And it is. That is a way premature thought. You have Carter Hart. Let's not start looking to trade pieces that aren't broken um, and to incur some risk. Um, I'd like to see a little more rotation of the goaltenders in the remainder of this season. Uh, I'm not really in favor of seeing Hart six, seven games in a row. I think the rotation should be about every four and a half games to one. So, or five to one, four to one rotation. Because I think we do need to find out what Sam Arison is at the NHL level. We still need to, I think, find out more about what Felix Sandstrom is at the NHL level. And, you know, I think we know what Hart is. And I, I would be in favor. I want to see him the majority of the time because he's the number one goalie. And I'm not saying shelf him. And I'm not saying don't play Hart because it gives you a better chance to lose. Um, I'm, I think I want to find out what Sam Arison is more and what, Felix Sandstrom is more. And there'll be a decision, maybe even happening today. Does 
uh, Sam Harrison gets sent back down to the Phantoms so he can play more. Plus, he's waiver exempt. Sandstrom is not waiver exempt. So how this plays out this week, I think, is going to be pretty interesting when it comes to the goaltending perspective uh, in this whole thing. Also got this message from uh, Bob Haynes, who's a frequent tweeter, and he DMs me quite a bit. Great guy. And he says, uh, Jason, question for you. He says, does Frost have that much power and deception on his wrist shot? He scored a few from distance recently. Is this just bad plays by the goalie, or is he really capable of this? He's looked way better. I love how Torts is developing all the young players. And, you know, I don't know if that was something, Bobby, in his game when he was in junior. I didn't see it, watch it closely enough. Um, He's a guy that obviously put up a lot of points. He's a playmaker. But you're right. I think on three occasions that I recall this year, he does have a goal on a wrist shot from some distance. The commonality in those is that I remember one of them specifically that he shot through a defender's legs and beat the goaltender. And then the one against Anaheim, he shot the puck and hid the release of the puck with the left leg of Kevin Shattenkirk, who was defending him and was really close to him. And what he does there is he's taking away the eyes from the goaltender on the release of the puck. Now the goalie's playing catch-up a little bit to try and figure out where he's shooting. But, yeah, he has beaten goaltenders, I think, on three, maybe four occasions this year from distance. Matter of fact, I think he did it on opening night as well. And he does seem to use the defender as a way of disguising his release. Now, you can disguise the release, but you still have to wire the shot with good velocity and great accuracy. And he's done that on uh, a number of occasions this season. I don't know if it was part of his game before. I know that, you know, after he had the shoulder injury, the shot was something that didn't come back right away. I remember talking to him this summer, and that was something he was going to work on his shot and his release and changing his release quite a bit. So if that's something that he's developed into his game, I'll have to ask him about that. But I do agree with you, Bob, that he is a guy that's beaten a goaltender from distance with a wrist shot on a, on more than two or three occasions this year. And and that's a great weapon to have. And having that instinct to use the defender to pull the puck to a point to either shoot it through his legs or just like when I say off his shin pad, I don't mean he hits his shin pad or off his leg. I mean he shoots the puck just millimeters to the side of the shin pad, disguising the release, especially when he's a left-hand shot coming down the left side of the ice because the player that's defending him is more to the middle, and you can use that to really take the goalie off, you know, take his eyes off of the actual release of the puck. And you can pull that puck from further out to his body in to, to gain that and disguise that release. You see a guy like Austin Matthews who does that a ton. His release points vary so much, and that throws goaltenders off of where you think it's going to go. Now, Matthews, the release, absurd, but the point still remains uh, the same thing for goaltenders. Uh, So good tweet there, or a good DM, rather, from Bob Haynes. Thank you for it. And let's get to one more here because I got this message from at Easy Green. This was a couple days ago I got it. I got it on Saturday. And he said, hi, Jason, from listening to your podcast, it seems you value, quote, finding clarity higher than increasing the Flyers' lottery percentages chances. Uh, can you explain why? I know there are no guarantees of getting a top pick, but this draft has two or three of them. Shouldn't that be the upside 
that upside be the goal above getting clarity on the talent already on the team, which we know isn't elite. And I think this is a really interesting dilemma. And I totally agree with you. I, look, finding clarity, I don't put it higher than increasing the Flyers' lottery percentage chances. I don't think one goes hand-in-hand hand with the other. Clarity is finding out who is a part of this thing going forward, who fits, who's part of the solution, and who's not. That's clarity. Clarity's not always positive. Clarity can also be negative. We may find that some of these pieces, some of these players that we're looking for clarity on, doesn't mean that they're going to be here to help you going forward. Um, so I think finding clarity is very important. I think finding out what guys are is very important this season. But I don't think it goes hand in hand with lottery percent. Now, my point is with with kind of what I said is that if you are in that camp of the Flyers maximizing their lottery percentage, which is obviously the highest it can go is 18.5%. If you're the worst team in the league, Chicago right now, you're the the best you can get, the best percentage at landing the number one overall pick, and Connor Bedard will put a name to it, is 18.5%. So that's what? 81.5% chance that you don't get him. Now, 18.5% is obviously better than 6.5% chance that the Flyers currently have to land the number one overall pick. Um, but if you want to be in that realm of 18.5% to 12.5%, the only way to do that is to be worse. And if they're going to be worse, players like Konechny cannot be playing well. Players like Carter Hart can't be playing well. Players like Morgan Frost can't play well. Owen Tippett can't play well. Noah Cates can't play well. You know, all of these guys, Joel Farabee cannot play well. Cam York, they all in some way have to fail. And if they all fail so that you can have a 18.5% chance to land Connor Bedard, is that a good thing? Because if they all fail, then... You have all these pieces to replace. Now you're getting a generational player. And I don't throw the term generational around lightly. I like I think generational is a very special term. I think Connor Bedard is generational. I don't I don't think Fantilli is generational. I don't think Michkov is generational. I don't think Austin Matthews was generational. I think Austin Matthews was a superstar and is a superstar, but not generational. Generational is higher. Generational is Connor McDavid. Generational is Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. Generational was Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. There's superstars. There's good players. There's great players. There's superstars. And then there's generational. I think Bedard is generational. Now, Look, I would rather have a team that has players like Connect New York, Farabee, Frost, Cates, and all these guys show that they're legitimate NHL players. Are they stars, superstars, all-stars, average players, good players? Where do they fall in that? You know, they're not all going to be 
superstars, none of them probably superstars or obviously generational. And if you get a generational player, it's a huge thing. Now, the last couple of high-end players, Austin Matthews, who they got at number one overall, Toronto, and they got Mitch Marner, I think, at number four. They have those two players. They haven't won a round of the playoffs since they've gotten them. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers got McDavid, and they got Dreisaitl prior to that, I think, three or four. And they also had Ryan Nugent Hopkins, number one overall, and Taylor Hall, and Neil Yakupov. But that hasn't yielded them any huge playoff success at this point yet either. But because you have to build a team. Now, the hard part about building a team is the high-end talent. That's the hardest part to acquire, to acquire that talent and get it. Some people go, that's the easiest part. You just have to stink. But that's not true. Because even if you're the worst team in the league, then all of a sudden, you still only have an 18.5% chance of landing that number one overall pick. And if we look back, look at the the Red Wings the one year. We're 20 points below the Ottawa Senators for the worst record in the league. They ended up picking fourth and took uh, Lucas Raymond. If you look at the Colorado Avalanche in 2016-17, they had the worst record in the league by far. They ended up picking fourth. They didn't get number one overall. They got Kale McCarr. If you look all over the league, you'll find this, this situation. Now, this draft seems different because you have the guy, a guy, a generational talent there. We saw it when McDavid was heading into his draft year. Several teams tried to tank to get him. We saw it all over the league. And, you know, you look at it when Austin Matthews was in the draft. Several teams tried to tank to get him. You know, Buffalo ended up with Jack Eichel. You know, other teams, you look at Winnipeg, they ended up with Patrick Laine and not Austin Matthews. So I think it's more important for those players, not the finding clarity, I think it's more important that those players be moving the right way than the wrong way. And as far as the last point he made, Easy Green, shouldn't that upside be the goal above getting clarity on the talent already on the team, which we know is an elite? Yeah, I don't think there's any elite talent on the team. I agree with you. And you you need star talent. And you need some high-end players. Now, do you need superstars and generational players? I don't know that. I look at the Boston Bruins. They have some really high-end players in Marchand and Bergeron even still, and obviously Pasternak. But is Pasternak a superstar? Is Marchand a superstar? They're stars. They're really good players. You combine them with Marchand and, or, and Bergeron and the depth that they have and Charlie McAvoy and what they've been getting in net with Olmark and Swayman and all that and good coaching under Jim Montgomery. And you've got a really good team. But is elite talent. You know, people would look at Johnny Gaudreau and go, he's elite talent. What has that done for the Columbus Blue Jackets who are 11 points below the Flyers? Or Alex Dabrinkit was another name. Flyers should have traded for him. 40-goal scorer playing with Patrick Kane. Where are the Ottawa Senators right now with Alex Dabrinkit? So it takes a team to win in this sport. You do need high-end talent, for sure. And the Flyers need high-end talent. But it's not clarity over elite talent. It's, it's a little different than that for me. But great question. 
It's just an awesome question, and I appreciate it from Easy Green. We appreciate the question from Bob Haynes and uh, Dry Island, getting a little ahead of himself over his skis in regards to Sam Ersan, who has been very good. Don't want to take anything away from Ersan, but he is not going to make Carter Hart expendable just at this point, maybe ever. Uh, But everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have another brand new episode. We will preview in tomorrow's episode a little Flyers Coyotes as they return home to Wells Fargo Center. So everybody, have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Day. I took her out. It was a Friday night. I walk alone to get the feeling right. We started making out and she took off my pants. But then I turned on the TV. And that's about the time she walked away from me. Nobody likes you when you're 23. And I saw more abuse my TV. I